Stay tuned now for the next two hours for Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio with me, Pavlina, here on CHLY 101.7 FM. Ukrainian folk song The Unplowed Field and that was performed by a brand new girl group out of Toronto uh, Montreal rather, a trio called Rosa and this is from their brand new self-titled CD that just arrived in the mail. So a very new addition to the Nasholos Music Library and one that you'll be hearing more from in the weeks ahead. Dobry den, szanowni radiosłuchacze, witają was wszystkich na radio przedaczu nasz holos Radio Krynskoho Korinia. Jak opowiedzieć wam dzisiaj tak jak i każdy serde z Renacytoi do 13 godziny na chwili CHLY, odel nu odel sim FM umisti na najmo. Przy mikrofonie Pawlina dziękuję szczęśliwie, przybyte ze mną w następnych dwóch godzin. My mamy dużo ciekawych nowych na dzisiejszym programie i to kość dobrą krynską muzykę. Hello there and welcome 
welcome to Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you from CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavlina Demchik Macquarie. Thank you so much for joining me. We've got a great program lined up for you. We have a wonderful summer recipe coming up as well. We've got news from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine Today, Arushnachok story talking all about the Ukrainian alphabet as well, a commentary from Ukraine today, and they'll be talking all about Vishavanka. And we've got another story from Viktor Sergeyev in Ukraine, and he'll be talking all about Indians in Germany. So stay tuned for all of that. We've also got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is a group from Ukraine called Teen Sonsia that translates as Shadows of the Sun. And here they are now with... Ukraine's official Euro 2016 theme song, and it is called Yikale Kozake, The Riding Cossacks.
And now, Ukrainian food flair with Sylvia Molnar. Tips for Ukrainian cooking. Hello. Nothing beats the fresh summer taste of radishes and chives from your own garden. Of course, city folk can also enjoy the taste of summer, thanks to the local greengrocers who sell produce from the many wonderful gardens and farms in the area. Tonight's recipe features both radishes and chives, along with the mild tang of cream cheese for a spread that makes a simple but delicious canopy. Several years ago, my original recipe for canopies with radish and chives was featured in the Vancouver Sun. To make it, you will need to cream an 8-ounce package of cream cheese with 2 tablespoons of butter. Add half a cup chopped radish, half a cup chopped chives, or green onion if you don't have chives, Mince a clove of garlic and add it to the mix along with half a teaspoon salt or to taste. Mix well by hand or whiz in a food processor. This will make about one and a half cups. Store the spread in a covered container in the refrigerator. It keeps well for several days so it can be made ahead. This spread is delicious on dark rye bread triangles or cocktail pumpernickel squares. Try it. It's Ukrainian. This has been Ukrainian Food Flare from the Nasholos Audio Archives.
from another new addition to the Nash Holos Music Library. That was Marco Farion from Detroit, and this is from a CD called Bandura Live, and that was Echo of the Steps, Homin Stepio. Vistokete Radio Peridachu Nash Holos, Radio Krins Koho Korinya, Na Radio Stan CCHLY, Oden Nul, Oden Sim FM, Umisti Nanaimo, Hovorit Pavlina. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavlina. Coming up next is Otvinta, a rockabilly group from Ukraine, and Babana Tumba, Granny's Outpost. Ba 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 
Now, the latest news stories from Ukraine, courtesy Ukraine's first international English news channel, Ukraine Today. Death toll is rising in the Donbass region. One Ukrainian soldier had died and another five were wounded in military clashes with the Russian-backed separatist forces last night. Kyiv reported the combatants violated the ceasefire 43 times in the past 24 hours. The most intense shooting took place near Avdiivka and Isinovata in the Donetsk region. According to Ukraine's military, the separatists also suffered losses as two militants were killed in action. A vigil for six recently killed Ukrainian soldiers took place this Sunday in Kyiv. Nearly 200 people gathered at the Maidan to pay respects to the fallen fighters. All of the dead soldiers were volunteers, thus not serving in the regular armed forces of Ukraine. However, members of the public still saw it fit to organize a remembrance action for those who gave up their lives for the safety of others. 19 Ukrainian soldiers are now being treated in Dnipro hospitals. Seven are in the military hospital, while 12 others are in the regional Dnipro hospital. Three are presently in intensive care. The zone around the town of Avdiivka in Donetsk region remains the hottest point right now. Russian-backed separatist forces continuously shell Ukrainian army positions as well as residential areas. A deadly incident at one of the military training grounds in northern Ukraine. Two soldiers are dead and one other is in critical condition. According to preliminary reports, the soldiers were killed during an attempt to start a fire. Military officials have yet to release details, but allege one of the shells that didn't explode during training exercises was the likely cause of the accident. Hello and welcome to Ukraine Today. My name is Peter Byrne and this is the Press Review. The Daily Beast Ezine and the Washington Post newspaper published articles about Russia's unremitting invasion of Ukraine. Both articles talk about an 11-minute video captured by drone aircraft operated by a volunteer pro-Ukraine group, Niproidin. The clip reports to show a Russian military encampment in eastern Ukraine, bolstering claims that Moscow has expanded its military actions there. The video was posted on YouTube by Niproidin. It claimed... The Russian military camp is located in the village of Sonseva in Ukraine's Donetsk region. The video points out T-72 tanks and construction equipment, noting that activity has increased in the last month. Large tents also can be seen in the video, raising questions about whether a command and control headquarters had been established. Tents, trucks and roads found by a drone at a reported Russian base in eastern Ukraine. NATO officials have for almost a year been saying that the border between Ukraine and Russia is wide open. Meanwhile, President Vladimir Putin and other Kremlin officials have repeatedly and implausibly denied having troops in Ukraine. Mainstream international media have for months largely ignored the growing body of evidence that proves Russia is supplying both equipment and soldiers from its military to the Russian-backed militants in eastern Ukraine. Maybe now they will start paying more attention to this reality more often. The trial against former Berkut officers accused of violently dispersing Euromaidan protesters in the fall of 2013 is expected to last at least until the end of this year. The reason? Only 10 out of the 84 victims have been questioned so far. The prosecution also has yet to question nearly 100 witnesses. The accused are former high-ranking Berkut officials. Two of them have retired quietly from the police force, and some even got a raise while on trial for beating dozens of students and innocent bystanders.
Yaroslav Radon is one of the victims. He got a severe concussion during the attack and now suffers from migraines on a regular basis. I guess he in all of this rage hit me, and I felt seeing stars. Everything went blank. Rodon's alleged attacker, Yevhen Antonov, was the commander of an operative brigade in 2013. After the revolution, Antonov was not jailed. He ended up serving as a police officer. Also, another defendant in the case, Andriy Diduk, gained recognition in the post-Turomaidan era. He went to serve in the East and got a higher military rank in the process. Diduk was even granted an award for his service to Ukraine by the country's president. However, that doesn't change what happened on that fateful November 30th, 2013 night. The victims understand the case is complex, there are a lot of people involved, and the process is far too slow. For now, everything boils down to the system being unwilling to change, wanting to keep everything the way it used to be. The ex-Burkut officers face up to five years in prison if convicted. The Euro 2016 fever is officially spreading across Ukraine, although the Ukrainian national team lost 2-0 to the Germans. Fans say the team put up quite a fight, causing last night's game to be quite a nail-beater. In the eastern Ukrainian city of Kharkiv, football fans from around the globe gathered to watch the game in the specifically designed fan zone. It is hard to describe this feeling, simply hard to describe. The atmosphere is different here. The people here are all cheering for our team, only here. Donning everything blue and yellow is very important today. And many aren't even afraid to paint their faces like the Ukrainian national flag. Of course, fans do not hold back during the game. And their enthusiasm seems to be encouraged by each other's reaction. Despite putting in a good effort, Ukraine lost to the world champions. The Germans have perfected their game, which is almost a classic by now. Ukrainians have yet to master it. Amnesty International Ukraine is praising the organizers of this weekend's Equality March in Kyiv. The International Human Rights Organization also gave credit to the police and city administration for providing adequate protection to those taking part in the LGBTQ march. The event itself lasted about an hour. More than a thousand and a half activists walked for about 400 meters. Although there were some provocations, the march went off without any major incidents. The garbage saga continues in the western Ukrainian region of Lviv. Tons of trash are still burning, forcing the mayor to beg the president to implement an emergency situation. The Hrebovici landfill is at the center of the controversy, surrounding waste collection not only in Lviv, but in other parts of Ukraine. Firefighters say this is the first time they are attempting to put out a blaze of this scale from above. But they admit it's not an easy task. Gases that have been developing here for years are a huge threat to the safety of everything surrounding the landfill. Although Lviv City Hall is quite a distance away, the issue is at the forefront of the debates within the administration walls. Several hundred protesters even showed up unannounced to demand Mayor Sadovay's resignation. They all say his handling of the Hrabovici problem is shameful. 
Although the crowd managed to break through the police cordon and even have a scuffle with the authorities, Lviv's mayor remained in his office during the commotion. Sedovay says he isn't hiding, but simply is staying at his workplace. There was an attempt to disrupt the session, and the city hall session was actually cancelled. I found out about it late last night. That's why I called the head of the police force, and this is why we have increased security here today. While politicians were trying to put out a public relations fire, the firefighters actually managed to finally get a handle on the landfill blaze. Even the search for the fourth missing person resumed shortly. The head of the operation says they have to be extremely cautious of the condition while putting out the fire and looking for the victim's body. A Hrebovici garbage site illustrates the problem that Ukraine is going through. The tragedy that captured the headlines also prompted locals and politicians to ask questions. The villages surrounding the landfill should have been evacuated years ago, yet people still live there. So, whether the Hrebovici problem will lead to an ecological makeover and a complete turnaround of the waste collection industry in Ukraine, only time will tell. What will our cities look like in the future? Well, landscape designers in the Ukrainian capital have a chance to share their vision with the public. This exhibition is all about the concept of environmentally friendly living. Designers whose works are showcased here say they hope to see a lot less concrete and a lot more flowers in the future. The exhibit runs in Kyiv until July 3rd. It's not an ordinary kind of marathon. This one is for all the night owls out there. The second annual Kiev Night Run drew about 2,000 runners this weekend. The goal is to run either 5 or 10 kilometer distance long after the sunset. It's awesome. Every run is different. This is somewhat romantic even. Most of the runners are here with friends. Running alone in the middle of the night can be somewhat difficult. However, there are a few brave souls battling the distance all on their own. Night marathon is a bit stressful for the body, but it's a really cool thing. My friends should have joined me. And humans aren't the only ones running in the streets of Kyiv. This cat is now a bona fide marathon runner. The owner says it's easier for them to run together. This is truly an international marathon. Not only runners from Ukraine, but also Israel, Belarus and Germany are taking part in the event. All of the participants of the Kyiv night run got a medal for their accomplishment. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's Ukraine News Roundup for this edition of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio. To hear more news from Ukraine today, check all of this week's editions of Nasholos at www.nasholos.com. And for their full roster of breaking stories, as well as interviews, press reviews, and in-depth analysis on Ukraine, follow Ukraine Today on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and their live blog, uatoday.tv. Вислухайте радіопрограму Наш Голос Радіо Українського Коріння, котра подається вам на хвилі CHLY 1017 FM у місті Нанаймо. Говорить Павліна. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio, broadcasting live at CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo. I'm your host, Павліна. Я зіронька ясна, 
And a Ukrainian love song performed by Tanya Lubomenko, and that song was Oitemisetsu, which translates as "You are the moon, I am your bright star." Up next is another Ukrainian singer by the name of Maria Burmaka, and here she is now with her most recent release, another song about unrequited love, Yakbeme, if we.
носом, щоб накрила знову нас обох. Victor's Vignettes, stories about life in Soviet and post-Soviet Ukraine by Viktor Sergeyev of Mykolaiv, Ukraine. I am Sergei Kaznady in Toronto. During my teenage years, I watched many Hollywood-style movies based on Fannie Moore Cooper's novels with cowboys and Indians. The movies were made by Deutsche Film Aktiengesellschaft or Studio Defa, the state-owned monopoly for film production in communist East Germany. The movie scripts were based on novels by 19th-century authors such as German Karl May and the American James Fenimore Cooper, who penned The Last of the Mohicans, one of the most widely read American novels of that time. All the movies I watched were shown at cinema theaters, not on TV. I never knew why. The movies starred mainly Gojko Mitic, a Serbian director, actor, stuntman, and author living in Berlin. Because he played so many such roles, 
he became known as the Chief Indian of the USSR. I recall him playing such roles as Chingajguk, Ulsana, and Tikamsa, among others. These movies were known as Red Westerns, or Borscht Westerns. They are often compared to Spaghetti Westerns, because they use local scenery to substitute for the American West. Where they differ, however, is in the Red Western's portrayal of Native Americans as the heroes, rather than white settlers, as in John Ford's Westerns. There was pretty solid ideological reasoning for inundating us with movies featuring fake German Apaches and Comanches. For one thing, East Germany, of course, was easily controllable from Moscow. For another, the storylines fit the Communist Party line. The heroes were the oppressed Indians, representing the working class, while the cowboys were the villains, representing the evil capitalists. Hopefully, Western audiences are able to notice the signs of subliminal communist propaganda here. In addition to the Red Westerns set in America, we also had movies about the Russian armed forces, an example of sheer Russian chauvinism. If it were otherwise, those movies would have starred Soviet armed forces and included other nations, such as Latvia, Kazakhstan, Armenia, and etc. No, the intention clearly was to emphasize the dominance of that damned imperia. These movies were mainly about World War II, known as the Great Patriotic War, and how glorious and ever-victorious the Russian Red Army was in battling the evil Germans. The only Hollywood film I saw in my younger days was McKenna's Gold. That was in 1970, when I was only 10 years old, and still too young to analyze anything. We were easily influenced. Children, who knew nothing about any other way of life, and no way of finding out. In those days there was of course no internet and only Soviet newspapers. In some ways like Russia today. Much later I discovered that this movie, McKenna's Gold, had been completely appropriated by the powerful USSR propaganda system to spread Sovok values, namely disdain for the business class, organized religion, in particular Christianity, and the idea of the American dream and its related ethics. In the late 1980s, things began to change, starting with Gorbachev's Perestroika. Now movies like Indiana Jones, Back to the Future, and Terminator, and actors like Julia Roberts, Brad Pitt, and Angelina Jolie are known to everybody in the former Soviet Union, including my home country of Ukraine. And these days movies can be seen in cinemas and on TV, as well as every mobile device out there. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Viktor's Vignettes, stories from the life of Viktor Sergeyev in Mykolaiv, Ukraine. You can find Victor's original transcripts and commentary at his blog, Vignettes, Life in Ukraine. For audio archives and links, visit www.nashholos.com 
So until next time, do pobačenja. Vyslouchejte radio peredaču Náš holas Radio Ukrajinského Korinia na chvíli CHLY o den 0 o den 7 FM umístí nenajmo. Pre mikrofoní Pavlína. You're listening to Náš holas Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm your host, Pavlina. Červonu trojantu daruju ja vam. Ne znaju, či sinemo znovu. Trojanta dla vas, ale srce moje. Давно вже належить другому Червону троянду Сьогодні віддам я Це найдорожчий дарунок тобі Червона троянда Це квітка кохання Помен про зустріч, що в серці мої. Червону троянду тобі берегла. Єдиний ти мій і коханий. Та доля чому? And another popular Ukrainian singer by the name of Oksana Bilozir, and that was Chervona Troyanda, the Red Rose. Up next, a little closer to home, we're going to bring it back to Canada, and not that close to home, but if in our country at any rate. This is a group from Toronto called Dunai from their first CD, Obkruzhou Yasvit, I Search the World, and a traditional Ukrainian folk song, and uh, it is a song called Oipid Vishneyu, which means under the cherry tree, and that's where I'm going to be spending a lot of time in the very near future or possibly even up in a cherry tree because they're just about ready for harvesting. Here's Dunai now from Toronto with Oipid Vishneyu.
From Edmonton, Alberta, that was the Playboy Band and the Wedding March. Before them, Peter Picklick from Winnipeg, Manitoba and the Chaban. And before him, you heard Prairie Crocus, also from Winnipeg, from their CD Back Up and Push, and the Highland Shotis. Visukheta Radio Peridachu Nash Holos Radio Krinsko Hokorinya, na Radio Stansi CHLY, Oden Nul Oden Sim FM Umisti Nanaimo. Hovorit Pavina. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo with your host Pavlina. We'll be back with hour two after these messages. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.